to uh, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1. Um, this morning we're going to look at some various texts in um, uh, Luke and Matthew uh, related to the um, Christmas drama. Th- this past week I had the privilege of being at a Christmas dinner with some of the uh, members of one of our Sunday school classes. Um, we had dinner and when we got through, Nellie Cox uh, had everybody. Nellie is a, a former school teacher. She taught school for years and so she had us get out a piece of paper and a, a pencil and she said, I want you to write down three things that you would like for Christmas this year. And so everybody wrote down three items that they would ask for or they've already asked for um, for Christmas. And Nellie collected all the pieces of paper and then she would read off a list of three. And our job was to try to guess who that person was that those gifts um, uh, were requested from. And it was interesting. There were all kinds of different things asked for. One, one uh, guy asked for a new set of golf clubs, and um, uh, another uh, individual asked for uh, a cruise around the world. Um, one wanted uh, jewelry. Uh, others listed things like clothes, uh, more grandchildren, um, uh, a new truck, um, uh, a new bass boat. I knew immediately who that was. Um, <clears throat> but it was interesting to see all the different things that people um, asked for for Christmas. You know, my family asked me this question every year. Dad, what do you want for Christmas this year? And I have the hardest time coming up with answers. I, it's the truth. I really do because I, I don't really want for anything and I certainly don't need anything and so um, uh, they just you know think I'm trying to be hard to get along with but I'm not I just I just can't think of something that I actually want for Christmas but that's different this year there are some things that I really want for Christmas and I've, I've thought about these things that I would really like in my life and I want to share those things with you this morning and they're based on the characters in the Christmas drama there are some spiritual qualities in the lives of for instance Mary and Joseph the shepherds and the wise men that I would love to have in my own life And so I want to talk about these, um, the gifts that I want for Christmas and uh, the characters that these gifts um, uh, represent. Um, uh, There's the takeaway on the screen. If you look there, here's here's what I want you to get from the message this morning. If you look at the characters involved in the Christmas drama, in the biblical account of Jesus' birth, There are certain spiritual qualities that are revealed in the lives of these men and women that we all need. And these are three things that I would like in my life for Christmas. And I hope that there are things that you would like in your life as well. 
The first thing that I want us to think about and the first thing that I would um, uh, uh, ask for for Christmas and desire for uh, is the faith of Mary and Joseph. The faith of Mary. Have you ever thought about the faith of these two individuals? If you got your Bible, open it to Luke chapter 1, and let's begin reading in verse 26. Um, here we find, first of all, the faith of Mary. And the Bible says here in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month. Now, in the sixth month, that means the sixth month of uh, Mary's cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now skip down to verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now think about it. Here was Mary, a peasant girl, a virgin. And she is told by the angel of God that out of all of the women who have ever lived, that she is the one chosen by God to bear the world's Messiah. Now, ladies, I just want to get you to imagine that for just a moment. Here you are, you're going about your daily routine, and all of a sudden an angel appears to you, and this angel announces that of all of the women who have ever lived, God has chosen you to be the mother of the Messiah, to bear the Son of God, and that you would conceive this child not by natural means, but by the Holy Spirit. Now put yourself in Mary's place. Mary's just a young peasant girl, and yet she believed the angel's word. She took God at his word, and in faith she submitted immediately to the angel's announcement. She said, Lord, basically, if that's what you want for my life, then I am honored. Here's my question. Do we have the same kind of faith that Mary expressed when God reveals his will to us that seems to be impossible? Do we have the kind of faith that says, Lord, I'm not sure I understand exactly what you're asking of me. Seems like an impossibility, but Lord, if this is what you want for my life, then I 
submit gladly and joyfully to your will. Mary had a strong faith, a faith that submitted itself to the will of God when God asked her to do something. But I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Here we see the faith of Joseph, her fiancé, her husband-to-be. Think about the faith of Joseph. This is the man that's engaged to Mary. The angel of God, after coming to Mary, comes to Joseph and informs him that his fiancé is going to give birth to this baby that he is to name Jesus. And this isn't just any normal pregnancy that she is going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. Look what it says beginning in verse 18. Middle of verse 18. When his, meaning Jesus, when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now his first reaction is, I don't understand this, but evidently this isn't what I signed up for. And he was going, instead of to embarrass and humiliate Mary, he was going to quietly divorce her. But look what it says in verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you, will, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And if you skip down to verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, imagine what would happen in a circumstance like that today. Imagine being engaged in an angel of the Lord coming to you men and saying, your fiancé is already pregnant. She's going to bear a child. Not only that, this child was not conceived by natural means, but it was the Holy Spirit of God. And yet Joseph, after at first not believing and wanting to put his wife away, chose to believe God, even though every part of his being told him this was an impossibility. Friend, faith is believing God's word even when it goes against what is normal, even when it goes against human reasoning. We choose to stand on the word of God and believe because we trust God. That's faith. That's the kind of faith that Mary and Joseph had. That's the kind of faith I want for my life. 
I want the kind of faith that when I open up God's word and God's word tells me something and God's word's instructing me that I need to do something, I want the kind of faith that immediately reacts, God, I believe. may not understand it completely, but I want to believe, and I want to trust you. Friend, I, I, I want to be able to live my life every day by faith, by trusting God. I want to believe God even when everything is telling me that what God says is impossible. I want to believe God. I want to trust God when everybody else is telling me I'm crazy. I want to believe God when everything about me, every part of my being says this is not rational, this is not reasonable, this is crazy. I want to take God at his word, and I want to trust him. I want to ask you this morning, what is the impossible situation you're facing this week that you believe is impossible to overcome? What is that gigantic foe that you're facing? What is the great barrier you're dealing with? What enemy are you facing that appears impossible for you to overcome? Friend, if we are a child of God, which we've been talking about in our letter of Ephesians, if we're truly members of God's family, then we need to hear again the angel's word to Mary back in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, when the angel said to her, for nothing will be impossible with God. Without a personal relationship with God through faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, life will always present itself as impossible. So why not let the God of the impossible invade your circumstances and work them out for his glory and your good? Billy Sunday, the great evangelist, once said, we have a God who delights in impossibilities. We have a God who delights in impossibilities. Don't you want the kind of faith that takes God at his word and simply submits to God's will for your life without having to reason it out, without having to work out all the details and think it through and just say, you know what, Lord, I don't completely understand all this. I don't even know what, how all this is going to work itself out, but I accept it and I take you at your word because I trust you. That's the kind of faith that Mary and Joseph had. That's the kind of faith that I want for Christmas. I want the kind of faith that simply trusts God for the impossible. To do those things in my life that Satan tries to convince me is impossible. It can't be done. So I want to ask you this morning, is your marriage rocky right now? You think it's an impossibility for your marriage to be healed, relationship be restored? What about that rebellious child of yours? You think it's impossible for them to get back on track? What about if you're looking for a job and you've had a hard time finding employment and you're about to give up? Have you convinced yourself that it's impossible? 
I would remind you again what the angel said to Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. And Paul says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the first thing I want for Christmas is the faith of Mary and Joseph. Second gift I want is I want the humility of the shepherds. Look in, go back to Luke's gospel in chapter 2 and look in verse 8. We're going to read verses 8 through 16. So go there in your Bible, Luke chapter 2, and let's begin reading in verse 8. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. <clears throat> An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when you read this account of how the angels appeared to the shepherds and announced for the very first time to human ears that a savior had been born you see their humility before God they humbly listened to the angels message and believed have you ever thought about why the message came to these shepherds why, why didn't it come to Caesar in Rome? Or why didn't it come to Herod the Tetrarch in uh, Judea? Why did God choose to deliver this message to these lowly shepherds out watching their sheep on a Judean hillside? I believe it was because shepherds were on the lowest rung of society's ladder. These guys were not wealthy, they weren't famous, they weren't influential. They had a very lowly task, but they faithfully carried out their task. They humbly accepted their role in life, they accepted it as a gift from God, and they fulfilled their role, they, they were uh, faithful to the task that God had given them, and God honored their faithfulness. Friend, I find as I read the word of God, if we're to be used of the Lord, we too need to be humble. We must esteem others greater than ourselves. The Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to be satisfied with our lot in life. We need to be satisfied 
with the role that God has given us in life and quit looking over the fence at what someone else has and how much bigger someone else has something than what we have. And we need to humbly accept what God has given us and submit ourselves to God's leadership in our life. These men had a lowly task. They were taking care of stinking, smelly, dumb sheep. And yet they were faithful to the death. They didn't complain. They didn't gripe. And because of their humble faithfulness, God honored them by being the first to hear the Christmas message, a Savior has been born. And I find that there is a lot of pride in the church today, a lot of self-importance. C.S. Lewis wrote, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long, he says, as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. These lowly shepherds were looking up into the sky that night, and as they looked up, because they weren't so proud that they were upset with their lot in life, they accepted their role, their lowly position, and as a result of their humble heart, they were able to look up, and when they looked up into that sky, they saw the angelic choir and the, that choir of angels singing to them, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And they heard those angels announce that today in the city of David, a Savior is born. Friend, if you and I are to be the servant whom the Lord can truly use, we must have the humble spirit that says, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever role you want me to fill, if it's watching smelly sheep, if it's cleaning dishes, if it's emptying garbage, if it's being the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, whatever task you give me, I humbly accept. And I pray that you will help me to fulfill that task gladly and joyfully. When was the last time you accepted your role in life without complaining, without grumbling? And you simply accepted God's role, God's position and said, Lord, I humbly accept my position. And you faithfully went about your task. And as a result, you've heard God speak to you in ways you never imagined before you humbly accepted that you were his child and that he had a plan and purpose for your life that may not have been exactly what you wanted, but you accepted it. And as a result, God has honored you. The Bible says God honors those who honor these shepherds honored God by their faithfulness, by their willingness to fulfill a lowly task. And they, of all men, were the first to hear the message of Christmas. A Savior has been born to you. That's the second gift I would want for Christmas, is the humility of the shepherds.
There's a third gift that I would ask for, though, and that is the generosity of the wise men. The generosity of the wise men. Take your Bible and turn back to Matthew and turn, look in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew records the journey of the wise men from the east. They were following the star to Bethlehem. And Matthew records in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'd love to have the generosity, the generous spirit, the sacrificial spirit of these wise men. Now, we're not told a whole lot about these men. We don't know exactly how many there were. If you look at the Christmas dramas every year, they always have three wise men. Well, there's never a number uh, of wise men in the gospel accounts. We don't know how many of these wise men there were. And actually, we show them showing up at the manger with these gifts. They, they came to a house that Jesus and Mary and Joseph had gone to after the birth of Christ. And uh, most uh, conservative theologians believe it was like three or four months after the birth of Christ when these wise men showed up. We do know that they were from an uh, area of Mesopotamia, and they had come a long distance to Palestine, to the place where Jesus was. Now, they had been studying the Word of God, and they had uh, read uh, the prophets who had prophesied the coming of the Messiah. We know that they were astrologers, and they studied the stars, and they had seen a sign in the sky uh, indicating that something really amazing was about to happen. And when they saw the sign that God had put in the sky, this really bright star, they knew it had to be the star that the prophets had spoken about. So they set out to follow the star, and as they made their way, they realized that the star was leading them to the land of Israel, the place where the Messiah would be born. So they kept following the star. Now, with them on their journey, they took gifts with them to present to this Christ child. Gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Can you imagine the expense it would take for that kind of trip? I don't know how expensive it would be to take a long trip in, at this time in history. I do know that it can be rather expensive to go on long trips today. If you've ever been on a mission trip, for instance, you know that it can cost quite a bit of money to go halfway around the world or uh, any great distance to serve the Lord can be expensive. But these men, regardless of the cost, made the sacrifice, and not only that, they brought with them these expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, Think about it. They left their home, they left their families, and they start out on this long journey following that star, not knowing at the time exactly where it would lead them. And when they arrived at the place where Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus had moved to, had gone to a house, they find the Christ child. 
and they bow before the Christ child and they present to him these gifts that reflect their generous spirit. The sacrifice that they were willing to make because of the joy that they felt over the news that the Messiah had finally come. Friend, when I look at these wise men, it is clear that they came to the Christ child with generous and sacrificial spirits. Here's the question for each of us this morning. How generous a person am I? Do people see that I am generous with what God has blessed me with? Or do they see someone who holds tightly to that which I have been given? These wise men came with gifts for Jesus that were costly. So what will I give Jesus for his birthday? You know, every year at this time, we have the opportunity to give a gift to the Lord Jesus Christ on his birthday, Christmas. We give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. And this year, our goal is $53,000 as a church. And I would ask this morning, do you want to be a generous person? Do you want to show God how grateful you are for what he's done by giving everything his own son for you and me? Do you want to have the kind of spirit that says, you know what, I can give that which doesn't cost me much and leave me enough to take care of my family's needs at Christmas and to be able to provide a nice Christmas for my family? Or I can give sacrificially and I can give generously so that Jesus gets more than anybody else because after all it's his birthday we're celebrating and it's his name that we're trying to communicate to men and women boys and girls all over this world and so I want to give generously to Christ and I want to give through this offering in just a few minutes we're going to be taking up our Lottie Moon Christmas offering and you're going to have an opportunity to do just that to give and if you're not prepared to give today don't feel bad we give you have a chance to give to this offering all throughout this month of December and we want you to be praying about thinking about what can you give to Jesus on his birthday and ask yourself this question, because nobody's going to know what you give except God. Financial secretary might know it, but nobody else can, will know it. I can promise you that. But ask yourself this question. If nobody else knows what I'm giving except God, will my gift reflect the true generosity of my heart? Oh, I'll give just as little as I can just to say that I gave, but I didn't really give in the spirit that I probably should have. The wise men had a generous spirit. And I will say to you this morning, one of the gifts that I would love to have 
is the generosity of those men. I want to be able to give. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. When you give, is it a joy to give? You know what I have found all the years I've been a minister? That the people who give more generously and sacrificially are some of the happiest and most joyful people I know. Why? Well, here's the biblical. There is a joy in giving that you can't get in any other way. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know what else I'll get for Christmas, but I hope and pray I get these three things. I want to have the faith of Mary and Joseph. I want to obey and believe the word of God, especially in seemingly impossible situations. I want the humility of the shepherds. I want to accept my lot in life and to fulfill my role and my task without complaining, without grumbling, and to do it faithfully, knowing that in my faithfulness, God will honor that. And I want the generosity of the wise men so that my heart and my spirit reflect the deep gratitude I have for what God has done for me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word.